Alright, what is going on everyone? This is your man L. Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. This is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. We are here. This is Wednesday morning. We about to get right into it with the world on the street. We're going to break down the NBA playoffs a little bit later, but let's get right into it. Of course, you guys, I was going to discuss with you uh, how these tariffs are also not only uh, breaking down somewhat the working class uh, with the increase of eventually merchandise and products and the near future also the closing of uh, businesses uh, and you know the eradication of numerous jobs we also said it was going to hurt uh, the also our heartland the Midwest also our farmers so we're going to get uh, down into that I'm going to break down a few reports that I came across uh, in the past couple of days we're going to discuss exactly how these tariffs are negatively affecting our American farmers despite uh, what everybody well at least in this in everybody in this administration is trying to tell us uh, so far the uh, the administration will be helping farmers with at least 15 billion of 15 billion dollars of aid and this is going to go into basically purchasing of these crops of course because prices are down uh for all all u.s crops at least going to china because of these new tariffs and also that uh exports in general are down significantly uh as well so prices and exports of American produce is down and this is a very significant deal soybeans corn so on and so forth but let's break it down uh, the US government will buy two uh, sorry they will buy they will start buying soybeans at two dollars per bushel uh, 63 cents per bushel of wheat and then they also spend four cents per bushel of corn uh, this is making corn farmers quite mad they need some they're gonna need some more for that of course like I said all these different uh, products have at least export wise have gone down so have the prices corn has uh, as um, as I was reading, has been the most affected. The corn farmers felt that they they were short at least twelve billion bucks last year. So, and this is uh, and this is also back when tariffs were going on back then as well, uh, back and forth between us and China. Now, incomes of American farms dropped sixteen percent. This is all according to Bloomberg, and this is uh, also the security. I'm sorry, the Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, uh, says the government can also offer offer up to twenty billion dollars of assistance. So they already know it's a problem. Uh, they are already willing to help the ante. Of course, like I said before, it uh, they were going to offer 15, uh, but occurred. Of course, Sonny Purdue, uh, the head of the agriculture department, is saying, "Okay, we go, up, we can go up to 20." So that might mean some increased uh, purchasing uh, prices for some of these uh, products as well. Now, uh, excuse me. Now, payments will be calculated based on farm size and crop yields, and there is some issue into why that that shouldn't be done as well. So it's still murky. They're still trying to figure things out. And of course, again, they probably wouldn't be in a situation if they didn't have a tariff war. But you know, you know, big big boss Trump wants to run everything. But there you go. Uh, the short growing season uh, could lead to, and this is more for the soybean crops. Uh, the the uh, shorter growing time for soybeans, uh, they could lead to uh, excess stockpiles of soybeans. So this is even, even going to lead into more of a uh, reduced value because now you have a surplus. Now you have extra far far uh, exceeding the, the needed amount. So uh, prices are going to get again dip because again, you have excess soybeans. They have a, a shorter growing time. Uh, they're going to be able to be produced a lot more quickly. But again, because of the prices and because, because of the prices are dropping, 
dropping and also because exports on the whole of American soybeans, so on and so forth. And like I said, corn, uh, also we have wheat on the downside as well. It might not be enough to make a real profit there. That's that's what we're coming to here. Uh, corn. Uh, Corn, I'm sorry, corn planting dropped uh, to 49%. It shows you around 80. Uh, this is again because they have it has it has a short shorter growing season uh, this time around. Well, well, actually, I'm sorry, a longer growing season than the soybeans. It's going to take a little bit longer to make that profit to turn that profit. Uh, they're probably not even going to make a profit. That's the thing here, and it's the lowest numbers of corn planting since the 1980s. So again, a lot of these different industries are being affected. A lot of these different farming systems are being affected. No one's saying this. No one's really saying this on a big level. Uh, this is kind of sad. And, and just in case, you know, you, I like to provide quotes. This is coming from a farmer from Ohio by the name of Christopher Yib. Uh, this is coming from uh, The Hill. Uh, this is another uh, source out there that I found. Uh, but he went on to say, uh, Christopher Yib, this farmer here, he said, we're in a free for all out here in agriculture. We've seen a 30% decrease in prices of soybeans. And this isn't all about soybeans. Bing, bam, boom. We have an issue here. This is a serious problem. Um, it has not uh, drawn in. This tariff war has not drawn in the results that we have been looking for. As a matter of fact, it has been the opposite. Uh, he goes on to say, with the geopolitical turmoil uh, that the president has thrown into the mix over the last year, the markets just don't have anywhere to go. There you go. Uh, and then also USA Today goes on to report that China has retaliated by putting tariffs on 5,000 American products. Boom. There you go. Including produce. Bam. Uh, the trade deficit with China has only increased 12% to $420 billion. It has not worked. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Game over. Uh, we're gonna uh, we got a couple more things to talk about here. The value of soybeans, like I said, has dropped seventy five percent in the last year. The prices of bushels dropped twenty percent from ten to eight dollars. Uh, still, uh, still for you know b building the equipment and also fertilizer for, of course, you know maintaining the maintaining the lawns and all that. Uh, sorry, the farms and all that and the vegetation. They those prices have also gone up. So again. Profits for these farms are slim. Net income on farms dropped to 63 billion last year from 75 million, uh, 75 billion in 2017. They were 123 billion in 2013. It's not a good time right now. These are the numbers. These are the facts. The tariff war. It's not working, my friends. It's not working. People are losing their jobs. Obviously, our farming production has gone down. Our profits have gone down. I'm not too sure what he was bargaining for as in our president. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm going to take a quick break. I'm not going to dwell on that for too much longer. That's a little bit too sad for me at the moment. But we're going to get into some NBA playoff action. We got some conference finals to talk about. Uh, the the Raptors have evened up their series uh, with the Bucks. Uh, they had a great game last night in Toronto. My boys, my Blazers got swept, so we're going to talk a little bit about that too, unfortunately. But I will be back, y'all, all right now. <laughs> 
Alright y'all, I am back. Let's get right into it. I'm going to go over the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, game 4 was last night, of course. Uh, the Raptors got it done 120 to 102 against the Bucks. They have officially evened the series two games apiece. Uh, let's go over the stats real quick. For the Bucks, they were led by Giannis. He had 25 points, 10 rebounds, and also 10 assists. Chris Middleton also put in 30 points as well as 7 assists and 6 rebounds. Uh, for the Raptors, uh, they got a lot of their production from Kyle. Lowry, 25 points, 6 6 and 5 rebounds, so uh, he's had some very bad games in the playoffs, but he's had some pretty damn good ones, too, and this was one of the games that they really needed him in. Uh, it was a blowout game, but they needed it to even the series. They got it done at home. That's what's up. Uh, we got Kawhi putting in 19 points with 7 rebounds. You also got Norman Powell having a really good game off the bench again. 18 points, 5 rebounds. He also got 5 assists there. Uh, for as much as, um, well, the stats as for for both teams, actually, uh, they were both pretty even uh, between the three-point uh, shooting and also the field goal for shooting as well. They were both between like 47 and 48 uh, percent. Just for the Raptors, they got a lot of production off of their their off of their bench. Um, like I said, Norman Powell had a good game. Uh, Van Fleet is kind of getting his shot back, and of course, uh, Marcus Saul did not have a bad game either. He had uh, 17 points uh, as well as I believe nine rebounds. Uh, Serge Ibaka also had 17 points as well of not 19 so uh, they got a lot of production from their bench and of course their starters did their thing Kawhi uh, he slipped up a little bit he did not have a 30 point game like he's usually been having but again uh, Kyle Lowry stepped up on the starting end and helped the, those guys out and for the Bucks. uh the the, season, the series is tied. Uh, let's see what they look like in the actual fight. They look like they uh, they look like they you know kind of breezed through the first round of playoffs. Uh, let's see what they look, really look like in a dog fight. So it'll be good to see. Uh, the Raptors just got out of, out of one in the second round with the 76ers. They had to go seven games with the 76ers. So they already know how to fight. They've been going back and forth. They know how to keep up the pace with somebody. Let's see if the Bucks can do the same. Uh, I I still like a. Uh, you know, actually, this series is still up in the air for me. I have not watched a whole lot of uh, either team this year. So the, both of these teams, I'm learning more about both of these teams as I watch this series. So I really don't have a favorite at this point. Uh, so let's move on uh, to the Western Conference Finals. Of course, Game 4 was the other night, and my Blazers took another L. That sweeps us out of the, that sweeps us out of the series. Uh, 119 to 117 is the final score there in overtime. Let's just get to the stats here. Uh, for the Warriors, of course, uh, Steph, he had an amazing game Again, comes out of nowhere. 37 points, 13 rebounds, also 11 assists. Draymond, uh, he also had a triple-double. Another playoff triple-double for him. 18 points, 14 rebounds, and also 11 assists. Clay, uh, he also had 17 points, 6 rebounds, and he put in 2 assists as well. For my Blazers, of course, uh, Myers Leonard, he led all scores, which was crazy. 30 points, 12 rebounds. He also had a pretty good game three if I know yeah game three as well uh Lillard also kind of did his thing uh you know he you know, he was able to do something, you know, you know, he had to fight, you know, he had to, you know, to show up. It was game four at home. Uh, he wasn't no slouch necessarily in this game, uh, despite the injuries or what have you. 28 points, 12 rebounds. He also put up four assists. And CJ, he also uh, put in 26 points as well as seven rebounds. Some uh, some team stats uh, from the game to take away. Uh, the, the, 
the scoring percent, excuse me, the field goal percentages were were close. Actually, actually, the Blazers had a higher field goal percentage. Uh, they ended up scoring a 48 percent uh, uh, percentage, and then also Golden State has a forty six point five field goal percentage. You know, just the difference is, uh, Blazers just choked up in the last couple of seconds of the game. That's kind of just how it happened. They did not really have a good fourth uh, fourth quarter either. Usually, they will fall apart uh, within the you know. And to me, you know, it kind of just at this point. You know, the series had got to be kind of predictable because it's just like, oh, you know, we had his lead. You know, we had this extremely good lead at the half to, at the half and then we break down the third quarter. I was a little bit excited because we didn't break down the third quarter, but then we just we just broke down in the second half. I mean, in the, in the fourth quarter. So um, not really the greatest of games. The Blazers also shot uh, shot a better three point percentage at 39 percent. Uh, the Warriors made around, I think, around 11 shots, 11 three-point shots, which was, which was surprising to me. Uh, but again, their number, their three-point numbers, uh, for what it's worth, have been going down uh, the past few series in this playoff. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit strange to see what's what's going to happen for them going into the next round because maybe, well, we'll see. Well, again, they're streaky shooters. Uh, their three-point shots should come alive in the in the, in the finals. Why not? Uh, but this is where Golden State really dominated. I feel last night, or sorry, the the other night uh, was on the, re- uh, the rebounding end. They had 56 total rebounds. Uh, they also had 15 offensive rebounds. That's extra points. That's extra possessions. Uh, they, again, that's taking possessions away from the Blazers. And again, the the Warriors did that throughout the game. The Golden State also forced 10 steals as well. So uh, when you got that, when you got multiple, when you got you know you got a t- s- uh, s- solid lead on the uh, on the rebound end, and he also got a significant number of steals. I mean, you're gonna pretty much win that game every every time. And Golden State really dominated the paint. Uh, they got 60 points in the paint compared to, I think, 44 by the Blazers. Again, uh, balance on both, on, you know, everywhere from Golden State on their defense, on their offensive end. Uh, they scored some points uh, from the mid-range, of course. A lot of points there. That's what they do. They scored 60 points in the paint. So that's a lot of points there. So they got were able to get it done on all on all cylinders. Uh, they got the last couple, you know, they, they got the last shot in. So I'm not mad. Uh, we fought them to the very end. We took them to overtime. And... That's what happens. Now, the question is, what's next for Portland? Uh, I, I say we need to find a dominant wing presence uh, somewhere along the line, uh, a small forward, uh, somewhere that can, you know, can give us another extra 20 points a game, 20 points or more a game. At this point, I don't know how successful that would be because Dame's new contract, uh, it would not kick in for another couple of years uh, because he's still under under another contract. Uh, but... Once it kicks in, that's four years. That's a four-year, $191 million extension. That's a lot of money. I don't know uh, what we could really get after that. Of course, you know, we would have to make some trades happen. I say maybe try to trade for a menu, Harkless, something like that. But we need to get an upgrade at the small forward position. We need to get a legitimate starter there. Uh, maybe, uh, no, no, because I like our I like our big men. I like Cannon for what it's worth. Uh, I like uh, I like Zach Collins as well. I don't think we need really need to uh, make a move on one of those guys. Uh, maybe Miles Leonard if we really want to, uh, you know, 
maybe maybe cancer again if you can get us a solid wing a, a real true upgrade at wing but i really wouldn't want to i kind of liked how he played especially in the first round uh he didn't really seem to be out of it of course he had to separate he had an injury as well uh he messed up his shoulder so uh this team was pretty much banged up you did not have Nurkic. that could have helped us, helped us out a lot as well um again so there's too many what is for this team to just say that we're never going to be winning anything i'm not going to say that I think this team is one dominant wing away or a solid wing away uh, from being able to turn even some more heads because, again, we weren't necessarily supposed to be in the Western Conference Finals. I did not like the fact that we got swept up, but I don't think we were supposed to be here. And finally, the question is, I think, should Terry Stotts go, our head coach? I I don't know right now. Um, Again, I think there might be a ceiling uh, with us, though, and I think that ceiling might be with him. Um, it's just something about, you know, getting to the playoffs and I've seen him in, he's been our coach for a while and I've seen him in playoff series beforehand. And, uh, it's just something about when he goes up in the, in the, you know, the upper echelons of coach. And I remember one year, I think it was 2014, we made it past uh, the, the Rockets in seven games, Mike D'Antoni. And he's not that, you can say what you want. I don't think he's that great of a coach. I've never been, I never thought the Rockets were ever that great under his tutelage, even with James Harden. I'm sorry, I won't buy it. Uh, so I think he's a lower tier coach. And I think, uh, you know, Terry Stotts looked good against him and he was able to get it done against him. Uh, you go fast forward to this year, Billy Donovan, I'm gonna be honest with you, is an average to below average head uh, NBA head coach. And Terry Stotts looked pretty damn good against him. Uh, you see when he went up to, you know, when he, uh, you know, went up, uh, up a notch against Mike Malone, how that took him to seven games. And there were certain games uh, that he just looked flat out, you know, looked like he was completely out coached. And then you move on to the Golden State series and he just looked to be out of it the whole kind of the whole time. Um, I do think there is a ceiling with him. Uh, I definitely think they would be helped out with a wing, a solid wing uh, score as well. Uh, but if 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 a real change were to happen, if, if something were to happen in terms of any type of shakeup, I would not be surprised if it happened with Terry Stotts. I think uh, if if everybody stays, then maybe you maybe Terry Stotts goes. If all the players stay, then maybe Terry Stotts go goes. I think if you keep Terry Scott Stotts, then you're gonna have to tweak up some of that roster because something is is not is is keeping us at a at a you know a western conference sweep or you know or you know or barely you know third between the third and the fourth seed in the playoffs something like that you know i think this year we had a fifth seed something like that whatever uh but it's something that's keeping us away from that upper echelon of those western conference teams actually the western conference is open i think really outside of the warriors that is your upper echelon i'm not buying the, i'm no longer buying the rockets i don't want to buy that you cannot sell them to me uh i, I think the, the nuggets are a legitimate uh, squad as well but so are we now because of the trips that we've been able to make because of what, the experience that we've been able to get here uh, again i think we're missing one wing score away but again i'm not buying the rockets uh, i think the rockets are still on i mean i'm sorry the uh, mavericks are still in to come up the spurs they're average at the moment uh they got a six seed i'm sorry a, a ac last year i think they're average at the moment uh the west is wide open it's just the warriors and it's pretty much top heavy in my opinion because i'm not 
buy it. I'm no longer, with what I've seen from the Rockets the past few years, you can no longer convince me that they are a threat in the Western Conference. Uh, I still feel that this team has a shot. I still feel that a lot of different teams have a shot. Um, even the Lakers, if they're able to get their shit together, could have a shot next year. Uh, so uh, I, I'm going to keep positive. Uh, my, my, my Blazers fans, we're going to have to find a place to meet, talk about these things so we don't have to call the suicide hotline. It's all right. We have each other. We go to Mount Hood. Like I said, create a lake. We could all talk about this. You know, this is okay. We're gonna make it through this. We'll be back. I think we're gonna be back stronger than a lot of different teams. Uh we'll be back we'll be in a lot of different we'll be in a different position again. If we don't retool the roster, then I think we let go of stats. But if we keep stats, then we're gonna probably have to retool the roster. One of the two is gonna have to change. And I think we'll be back a little bit uh, actually a uh, quite uh quite improved uh in, in the off season. So for now, for today I'm gonna take it a quick uh take a Call it, call it a quits for now. I'm gonna wrap everything up. Uh, my next episode, of course, will be having the world on the street, and more importantly, I wanted to do. Uh, I recently saw Detective Pikachu. I thought it was trash. We're gonna talk about that as well. All right, y'all. This is your man L Jamal. If anybody hasn't told you yet, uh, I love you. Y'all have a good day. If you're looking to get in touch with me, I am on the Instagram L Jamal Johnny. That is E L J A M A H A D J N I. I also got a Facebook page as well. The same name L Jamal. Johnny E L J A M A H A D J A N I Instagram Facebook. I also got a Facebook for the page. Never out of pan, never out of bounds. Excuse me. All right, y'all. Y'all take care. I'll holla at y'all later. Peace out.